0: there we go uh we're up and running for episode yep. I think we're on episode 40 I forgot which one I'm on we're in 43 or 44 of Friday night counter so we've begun the recording and it's been quite nice to have another guest on the podcast so we've got MJ from the football podcast ball and banter who we were at war within the summer in terms of predicting mm-hmm. for the European Championships just to score predictions and it was me that was unfortunately represented our podcast for the for the scores and most of them I got wrong it was really annoying but england didn't win um but no. we're back in the premier league scene so mj thank you very much for coming on the podcast we've got quite a few things that we're going to talk about today the legendary jimmy greaves who i never saw play uh Mohamed salah is he really one of the best wingers we've ever seen in england and basically the upcoming premier league weekend that's going to be quite tasty with the north london derby maya versus aston villa and Chelsea, I think, are playing Manchester City. So, first of all, thank you very much for coming onto the podcast. How have you been? And are you looking forward to um, the week ahead, basically? Uh, thanks,
1: uh, Hamza. First of all, thank you for inviting me to come onto your podcast. I know we've been in dialogue for a little while. Like you said, we were working together on uh, the year 2020 uh, predictions, which was great fun. And we had loads of podcasts on there. So, you know, to be honest, it's been a long time coming. We've been talking for a little while about doing a collaboration which can, sometimes can be tricky just due to, you know, work and other outside stuff to find the time to, you know, uh, meet up and do an episode. But no, thanks for having me on. I'm happy to be here. Uh, as far as the weekend's episode, my, me myself being an Arsenal fan, not particularly, um, but we do have the North London Derby, which is always a big game, as they stay with Derby's phone goes out the window. So yeah, nothing we can do them, I think we can turn them over, so... Yeah, uh, yeah, slightly looking forward to
0: the weekend. Cautiously optimistic, I would say. Nah, that's always good to hear. And with me being in North London myself, having fans um, of Arsenal and Tottenham listening to our podcast as well, it's always fun when I get to talk about Arsenal versus Tottenham because being... Um, a man united fan from london i'm always just there like with my popcorn in my hands just looking at everyone pants with one another and i remember the good old days of like van der vaart versus fabregas and you had Lady yeah. king defending against here on re and all of these little little duels that you'll have all over the pitch and i quite like, thought it's all quite i'm quite looking forward to talking to you about the kind of 2021 battles between like bukayo saka versus Regulon and yeah. everyone else on the pitch. at least really. so that would be quite good yeah um, i agree with you there but first, I'd like to start off just by talking about um, the late Jimmy Greaves, who had just passed away. So uh, around a year ago, uh, around 11, 12 months, forgive my, my knowledge, but uh, we had a podcast where we were just reviewing the life of Diego Maradona when he had passed away as well. So that was something where um, we ended up just talking about how we never saw him play. People of our generation, we never saw him play. We didn't get to see him besides watching on YouTube. or on, There's a, a magnificent film on BT Sport. Um, I think it's just called Greavesy. But it, was, it was something I was watching um, over the last few days when I just had some spare time. I was like, you know what? I've got to learn about um, this player because that's what I like to do, really. Um, not in my spare time, but if I literally have nothing to do, I'll just like research old football players like Johan Cruyff and Beckenbauer and be like, uh-huh. now I see why people think he's one of the greatest of all time. And it started yeah. with the whole Maradona um, situation when he passed away. So I was doing the kind of same thing with Jimmy Greaves. And the fact that this man is the fourth all-time Um, scorer in England he was injured in the group stages of the um, World Cup in 1966 as well and the fact that everyone not just the Spurs fans or the Chelsea fans but everyone in the country has really gone into detail of describing what a man what a gentleman what an incredible footballer he was and how humble they felt to watch one of their heroes because this was just during the times of it was like 1957 to 1980 I believe his career spun but he went to play for Chelsea AC Uh Milan Tottenham West Ham and Barnet, I believe, as well. So yeah. it's quite fun just like learning a bit more about him and learning about how he actually <clears throat> dealt with being like the star man and being one of the first English players to move abroad to AC Milan as well, which is yeah. brilliant. But um, what are your first thoughts on Jimmy Greaves and obviously the sad passing away of Jimmy Greaves? And did you have any kind of memories that you learned from people in the in the game, whether friends or whether friends or family, perhaps, MJ?
1: Um, first of all, I want to say RIP to Jimmy Greaves and pass on my condolences to his family. Uh, definitely a football legend uh, I know I look old but I'm not that old so
0: unfortunately I've not seen him live but I have seen clips of him <laughs> <laughs> you don't look old it's probably the camera it's the camera. Yeah, it's the camera it does it it does it to me as well I look 40 but I'm definitely not 40 now yeah, I honest, 10 years, it's, isn't it? it might be the beers that we have as well but now that yeah, we not help <laughs> definitely not old <laughs>
1: um, but yeah and no, I've seen a lot of clips of him uh, he's a very skillful player good finisher great in the box um, I just think that the 1966 World Cup was just kind of, um, how should I say, like a bad luck on his part because he was a really good striker, England's main striker leading into the tournament and uh, he got injured and Jeff Hurst took his place and the rest is history. Jeff Hurst got a hat-trick in the final and he's the legend now and everyone kind of remembers Jeff Hurst more than Jimmy Greaves, which is a shame because in his own right, he's a great player. I think he was Spurs' all-time record goal scorer, you know, loads of cuts for England, uh, the most uh, goals in the Division 1, as it was called at the time, of 357. So, you know, in his career, goals of 466, 661 appearances. So loads of games, loads of goals. I think sometimes he just gets a bit overlooked because of just first and what happened in the sixty-six final. But still a world-class player. Um, I urge anyone, if you haven't seen much of him, go on YouTube and check his clips. His dribbling is unreal. And you have to think these are the days where the pitch is not like how it is now where it's a carpet. You know, he had mud, he had mud holes, bumps, everything. And he, the control that he had and the skill that he had as well was that unheard of in those days in the late 50s and going into the 60s and 70s great player great player
0: yeah and it was just about the time when footballers were becoming superstars to the general public they weren't normally just people oh. that you see down the pub and everything and yes. this was the kind of era when you got to so bobby moore coming through so bobby charlton coming through george yep. Best coming through uh, dennis law coming through as well And as the fact that everyone above them i remember watching jeff Hurst saying that he forgot his daughter in the same shop that he was shopping out with Jimmy Greaves, so his newborn daughter, he forgot in the shop because he was so starstruck by Jimmy Greaves in the shop. He had to walk back in the store and was like, I forgot my daughter. Jimmy This is, this is crazy. And you couldn't imagine anyone really doing that. I thought it was that. more embarrassing. Imagine, imagine being no, the daughter. Never, and never. Imagine being the daughter, though, and you're just there like, Dad, you know, like 20 years ago, you forgot me in the shop. That must have been so awkward. Like just being remembered that for the rest of your life which is crazy you know what I'm not sure what's more awkward is like actually forgetting your daughter in the shop or being
1: like oh you know what Jimmy sorry I left my daughter in the shop because I shop by you let me just quickly go and get her I'll be back in a minute I forgot her in
0: the prime I gotta go yeah I just need another autograph for you but now yeah
1: yeah they
0: ended up becoming teammates which is crazy as well so mm-hmm. it, it was quite good to see how um especially like if you have BT Sport and you're able to watch this film um Gre- Greavesish or something like that I think yeah, Greavesy I think Greavesy, that was it. It, yeah. was, it was just it was worth the watch. It was an absolute joy mm-hmm. for me to watch it and just to really learn from it. Because like I said beforehand, I like learning about all of these old players and uh, taking my time to relearn really it because he was like Tottenham's, Tottenham's all-time goal scorer, 220 goals, played for West Ham, played for Chelsea, hated by none of them, played for Barnett, uh-huh. my old local uh-huh. team as well, uh-huh. So what, 16 goals. And it was the main thing that in that day and age, because he was literally the the superstar, as we mentioned before, yep that he was also dealing with alcoholism as well. So yeah. for me, being a Muslim, I don't understand the situation of alcoholism, how people get uh-huh. um, attached to it. But for me, uh-huh. when I see it, as he just like came back from alcoholism, he made a whole career, a side career, basically, of like, beating alcoholism, writing yep. a book about how you can deal with it and how you can really um, just move on from this stage. I thought that was quite remarkable, really. Uh-huh. And his daughter even said that. That was probably his greatest achievement the, the one that she was most proud of the most that he helped so many people um be alcoholism and him he himself be alcoholism because a lot of footballers after they finish football in this day and age now they'll always have side product projects like um lines or media duties or property businesses back yeah. in the 1980s they didn't have any of that they yeah it wasn't available so the fact that he became a TV personality as well I'm not going to know what TV show he did or anything but yeah, the Saints fact and that Grievely. that was it Saints and Greasy. it oh, was kind
1: of old enough to remember that but I'm not that
0: old no nah, no nah, <laughs> that's cool that's okay um but no even, even that it just showed that there was life after football for uh-huh. footballers of that day and age which was just as good and it changed the way that um football was televised in this country and apparently around the world as well because even Gary Linnick was saying that he was a great inspiration for him and yeah. it was something that was was quite good as well but Uh um realistically MJ how do you kind of see this legacy going because I know he's got 357 goals as the most goals in English football history do you reckon anyone can actually beat that in England we've got Harry Kane currently who's probably on their most salad perhaps if he stays for another six seven years but Uh I think that could last for another 10 15 maybe even 30 years that that record of 357 goals
1: yeah, I agree with you, uh, Hamza. I can't see it on breaking at the moment. I think Harry's only on 161, if I'm correct. He's mm. around 161 for Premier League goals. So he's got like almost double that. Uh, don't get me wrong, Harry could... I could see potentially Harry playing for another six or seven years, maybe to his 35, 36. I could easily see him dropping back, playing that Teddy Shonen role, the number 10. He's mm. been doing a lot recently, dropping off quite deep. Um, will he still get as many goals as he gets older? I don't know. But I think the closest shout is probably Harry Kane. I can't see anyone else, to be honest, uh, that can get close to that record. But I think his legacy will... uh, Well, I hope his legacy continues. Because a lot of the time I've noticed that there's a bit of a bias towards players that didn't play in the Premier League era. So players that played in old division 1, they don't seem to get as much recognition
0: or... Definitely. I've seen that uh, as well.
1: Yeah, so I hope he does. He deserves it. Listen, he deserves it. No one's broke that record, so he deserves every accolade that he gets, to be fair.
0: And just like we were saying before, they were harder pitches, tougher opposition in terms of like literally just getting chopped down every five, ten minutes yes. as well. Yep. It's not as protected as it was in this day and age as well. So no. the fact that Jamie Grease has done that and it stood the test of time since what, the 1980s to now, like when he fully finished his career, yep. is it's ridiculous. And it's, it's amazing that we get to learn about these plays. But it's quite sad for me that um, for the general public that they tend to learn about these plays when they pass away, realistically, yep. because... He's only a legend for like um Spurs, um Spurs, West Ham, Chelsea and for quite a few English fans around the world, um, they'll know about him. But for like the rest of the world, learning about him yesterday because of a minute's applause, people are like, Oh, who's Jimmy Greaves? Who's this? Yep. you like, it's all a yep. bit if they, like maybe we should do a podcast series of like all these legends where we just discover them. That'd be quite fun. Be that awesome. the, you know, I love it. finding out about old
1: like the history of football and the plays before my time and I, mm. I love all that stuff anyway. So, yeah, man. mean, I would always be up for that. So, how am I to put my name down now, bro? We'll
0: do it. We'll do like a whole discovery of all these, like like the whole iconic Hungarian side, the iconic uh, Uruguayan side back in the day. The other yeah. players besides Diego Maradona in that Argentine side in 1986. Mm-hmm. Bob's right? They all get so overlooked. Much... Yeah, yeah they, like they all get overlooked. Because it will be like, who knows, in maybe like 15, 20 years, people will just remember ba- uh, Barcelona for Lionel Messi. They will remember Xavi, Iniesta, yeah. Puyol, yeah. PK, any of them. Alves mm-hmm. indeed but um because jimmy greaves ended up playing until the age of like 31 in, in the main professional era people were saying that oh he, he kind of retired early but mm-hmm. for me it's the fact that he started when he was 16 17 years old so his career started a lot earlier and yes. finished a lot earlier as well so it's like yeah kind of like with wayne rooney he started when he was 16 17 but he retired at like 32 33 because he had played a long lifespan at the highest of levels and then he yes. had to just retire as well so our little focus today. I mean, we're bringing back our six aside um, things that we do because we normally do like a six aside uh, of the week. But because some of the guys have been away, I kind of just parked it for a couple of weeks. But I thought because you're coming on, I thought yeah. we'll, we'll stick to it. So, six aside golden oldie. So, this is for the people who have really just had a second lease of life or a second career once, once they've hit 32, 33 and onwards. And they've just carried on playing until their late 30s, maybe even 40s as well. Yep. this was very easy for me but it's also very difficult to narrow down a six because i've got two teams of six so okay. i could i could easily <laughs> I could easily just interchange between the two but i'm gonna let you go first mj because you are our guest so what was your six aside for um the golden oldies podcast right so
1: there's a bit of a deliberation on this this is quite At first, you know what it sounds like it's easy but then when i actually sat down and started writing down something i was like okay this is a bit tricky because you want to because yeah, I, you-
0: you, I messaged you like six when we were talking uh, and you were like, is that your team I was like, no, that's just six I could think of. And I was like, yeah. I've missed out all these obvious ones as well. Man. But is this is one of them things? Sorry, go ahead with your that's six fine. and why yeah. you chose them
1: as well. Right. I'm just going to reel off my six here. So first I went for a one in goal. Mm-hmm. I think that's pretty um, self-explanatory. Uh, he's still playing now in his early 40s, looks after himself. Uh, great goalkeeper as well. I think that only thing that's missing the Champions League medal from his cabinet. But if, if he doesn't get it, that's no slight on him and the quality of goalkeeper he is. I definitely think he's been one of the best goalkeepers for the last 20 years, easily. Um, so that's why I went with um, Gianluigi Buffon. Uh, right, so into the defence. I. This is a tough one again. I had a few names that I had down, but I managed to narrow it down to two. So I went for first, I went for Maldini. Yep. And again, another telling international, great player. I think as he got older, he got better and just more cultured, even using his right foot because he was starting at left back.
0: When I, seen, do you, when I Do you remember when you played against um, AC Milan in 2007, Theo Walcott was on the right wing, as a budding right winger. Maldini mm-hmm. was left back and everyone at the time, like the pundits and media were like, Walcott should have a field day against Maldini because he's now in his 40s, he's mm-hmm. now struggling for pace. But Walcott never got past him once. Maldini just had that brain of a left back and it was like, he may have the pace on me, he may have the energy, but didn't get past him once. I think Arsenal still won the game, nope. but Maldini yeah. still held his own against a, a young bud in Theo Walcott at the time, which is quite impressive.
1: 100%, you know what? It's not always about pace. His positioning was first class. And the thing is after the game, would not even know they played football. He had no mud in his shorts, nothing. He just like come from a fashion fashion walk. You know what I mean? We like, didn't exactly. even know. Clean, kit was always clean. <clears throat> so yeah, obviously again, Maldini, great player. Um, Great servant for AC Milan, great servant for Italy. Um, yeah, as he got older, and I saw him in the AC Milan side of the mid-2000s when I played Liverpool twice in the Champions League final class. Absolutely. I, I, honestly, I've got nothing bad to say against Maldini. I just think he's a world-class player. Mm-hmm. Um, Another player that I chose, maybe he didn't necessarily get better as he got older, but he maintained his levels. I'm going to say Cafu. the Brilliant. Right back attacking Brazilian right back again that same AC Milan team with Maldini. Um, when I was playing Liverpool in those finals, he was playing so well. Was, you know, he's still so cultured and composed on the ball. Even though he was getting to his mid he still had decent pace. You know what I mean? Could still charge up and down that right flank all day long. Uh, I just think he's a great player. He's one of the first fullbacks that I properly admired. I thought that he was a really well class player. Obviously, that um Brazilian team of the early 2000s of him and Roberto Carlos as wing backs are crazy
0: it's absolutely mad and, and it's said it's said the benchmark now as well for all the right backs in world football as well because the world cup in 2002 yes. was my first world cup so lift yep. seeing Cafu being the captain lifting the trophy after winning the world cup and Ronaldo scoring two I was like this this is a guy that's oh. leading the team and you can see how he's leading yep. the team you can see how he carried on his career at the top yep. level as well and this is why I kind of wanted to do this as a little theme for the for 6th side because you see so many people will go off to these farmers' leagues or these rich oil com, uh, yep. teams and they'll have a nice payday, which is fair enough to them. That's what they have to yeah, do. But when you, yeah, but when you see like the man behind me, Cristiano Ronaldo, who is very 6th mm. and is in mm-hmm. one of the biggest, most intense leagues in world football, uh-huh. it's good to see that happen. And at the time, Italian football was buzzing. So Cafu yes. being in that, Around the time when I think Juventus got relegated the season afterwards, but they still had yeah, I think Prime did, yeah. Juventus. You had Inter Milan, you had Roma, yeah, um you had Lazio and you had AC Milan, of course. So yeah, it's good to see Cafu in there as well. No, great. definitely. And I think he after that, I think he moved to Roma and he
1: did still did pretty well at Roma as well. Um, yeah, he did before retiring. So yeah, now Cafu has to be in there. Legend, legend of a right back. Right. So I went into midfield. I've only chose one midfielder for this one. Ooh. Uh I might live to regret this, but as I said, it is kind of interchangeable, so I have do have someone else in mind in case uh we clash on any names. But I'm gonna go for Clarence Sadov. I don't know why I'm picking a lot of AC Milan players. No, 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 no,
0: no, no one's gonna argue. Clarence Sadov. if nah, you know football, uh, you know nah. about Clarence Sadov.
1: quality yeah, player, and again, and he just looked like he was 22 quality. when he
0: was 32. Exactly, wouldn't we'll even know, wouldn't
1: we'll even know that he's 32, 33, 34. The energy in this guy, now the thing is. He doesn't excel in one thing, but he does everything excellently. And he's mm-hmm. just a, a great midfielder. Like he, the touch on the ball, the vision, the passing, the energy, stamina, every, he has everything. And that um, Holland side, I don't know how they didn't win something. We've had him and Davids. And then you got Burkham, you've got Cliver. It's just too much. Like, I just don't know how they didn't do anything. But say the one of my favorite players uh, of all time, uh, midfielders. I think this thing is a great midfielder. And I think as he got older on the AC Milan side with him, good too. So, Uh, Pirlo and Kakar. that midfield Diamond was too much man he was just a
0: great player I love watching that guy I love him I love Seidoff in a -a 6-side pitch as well Seidoff could probably do all the running in that team as well so I think you chose the right person there for that as well which is brilliant Mm -hmm. So who yeah. have you got up front? You've got two of them up front, I imagine. Yep, You're so I've got left. two
1: up front. Yep, uh, so up front, I went for Zlatan and the guy behind you, Ronaldo, as a partnership. But I think mm-hmm. Zlatan can kind of drop and do a bit of a number 10 and help Sadio for midfield and when he can stay up top. But obviously, it goes without the same Zlatan. He's still doing bits now and I think he's at like 38, 39 years old. And he's got some crazy goals during his career. Uh, I always remember that goal when he was playing for Sweden against England. He had some overhead kick from about
0: 40 yards out while the goalkeeper was out of his area. Absolute class. He's just class. I remember going into college the, the day after that and people who weren't football fans, but they're watching the England game because it was on ITV, I think, they were like, Zlatan's the best player in the world. I'm like, no, he's not, just because he scored one goal. And like that goal would have made him the best player in world football. I'm like, you don't know football, but it's a great goal and he's a great player, but that's a step too far. Because he yeah. scored, I think he scored a hat-trick in that game as well, but that was like, the crowning draw in the hat trick, which is just as mm-hmm. good as well, which was brilliant. But I'm showing sure, sure Zlatan to mind, he's the best in the world because you know <laughs> how he is. He is what it is. And the fact that like for me being a United fan, when you saw that leg break against Anderlecht um, in 2017 in the Europa League and he came back, he chose not to retire. He still came back. He played mm-hmm. a couple of games in the second season. Uh-huh. Then he went to the MLS and he came back to Italy. Like last last season we were saying that Italy could be the new USA in terms of people going <laughs> literally they could go it's for a second payday. Uh, a payday a second lease of uh, career Ashley young uh, did that he's yep. finally came back to the premier league CR7 exactly. did that and he's come back to the premier league as well who knows who else could go to Italy to actually just enjoy the last kind of um the twilight of the years really I think Jack Wilshere would be good in Italy as well he's a free agent at the moment yeah, I that. think the pace of the game over there in Serie A is perfect for him.
1: He'll get time on the ball. Um, he's not going to have people around his ankles all the time. No, I agree with you on that. I think Jack could do a job out there in Serie A. Uh, but there's one more thing on Zlatan as well, because mm-hmm. he also got written off when he joined United. Because I think he joined at about 34, 35 years of age. And, you know, he yeah. like, you know, he's too old. He should have come to the Prem a long time ago. And then he'd done his thing. That first season at United, when he won the League Cup and the uh, Europa League, he scored loads of goals that season. And I think... He rammed all the words down, uh, Pundits and fans' throat and he still had it. And that's
0: why I had more respect for him as well.
1: Yeah, because even
0: people, that were saying that, oh, he still didn't win the league. But that wasn't the point. You were proving, trying to prove Zlatan Ibrahimovic, the person and the player, wasn't as good mm-hmm. as a as a 34, 35-year-old. But he did it in the Premier League. He adjusted properly. He scored on yeah. his debut against Bournemouth as well. Mm-hmm. And in the community yeah. shield as well, and he's, uh, his unofficial yeah. debut, I think that's considered unofficial now, the community yeah. leader, but yeah, he still did it. And it was just as good. And his yeah. his legacy was there to kind of just stay. I wish he stayed for like another one or two more years properly because yeah. he could have impacted Marshall, Rashford, uh, a lot better, yeah. Lingard as well. But yeah, it was what it was. But um, would you mind just tap, uh, type in your team in the chat because I've got mm-hmm. a few that will be the same, a few that won't be the same, but I yeah. quite enjoyed that. Do you have yeah. any word on on CR seven or CR seven? Just like the most explanatory player you can have. Yeah, obviously he is a bit self self explanatory, but I will quickly uh, break
1: him down. Obviously, since he's, I think there's there's some crazy stats in with him and Messi, mm. and since they've turned thirty, they scored so many more goals. I don't know what's going on with them guys. It's like they're like wine, you know, mm. like, they're getting better with age, you know. And running, he looks after himself. Um, I've always had this debate with, especially with the other guys on ball and banter about Messi and Ronaldo. You know, personally, I prefer Messi. I'm not saying Messi's better. I just love watching Messi. I just think his natural talent is unmatched. But Ronaldo, you have to tip, tip your hat to him as well. You can't sleep on Ronaldo. Uh, his mentality is crazy. And that's why he's got to where he is now. You know, he's he's been written off so many times. His career always comes back. He's played in loads of different leagues, all the top leagues in Europe, and he's done it everywhere. So, yeah, I think that's, a, that's self-explanatory. I think there's much more to add than Ronaldo, to be
0: honest just as good really isn't it yeah which is which is brilliant um let's go for my six and like I said I've done like two three different types of teams because I was thinking I could do so many and I could just have them all but I'm going to try and go I'll go a bit different to you because there will be a generational gap for some of the players that I've seen properly compared to who you see because for example with Cafu I'd only seen him in World Cups I I'm not I'm not that guy that pretends oh I watched Italian football when I was eight nine and ten.
1: Watched,
0: I, I just watched him in World Cups that's, and that's all I can say about that yeah um for me I could have gone for John Luigi Buffon but I'm going for Edwin van der Sar so I think Edwin van der Sar um mm-hmm. again came from Fulham to Man United at age 34 in 2006 and he became mm-hmm. our number one goalkeeper and he became one of the benchmarks of one of the best ever Manchester United goalkeepers we've had in in the Premier League era and potentially in the history of Manchester United because there was a time when he was going without conceding the goal again, thanks to village Ferdinand, O'Shea and Everett, who was our back for that season for a good 14, 15 games in a row, which was just Mm. incredible. And he did that when he was like 38, 39, still doing diving athletic saves and still really just being there for the team when he needed to be as well. And I think he shouldn't have retired early from Holland because you had Stecklenburg in the 2010 world cup. I think yep. Van der Sar could have done just as good, if not better, um, okay. in in that tournament. I know they got to the final when Iniesta's goal was in extra time, but I still think oh. Van der Sar would have had a much better and important influence and impact in that 2010 World Cup for me. But Edwin Van der Sar is my golden oldie goalkeeper because I think with goalkeepers they can do it until 40 anyway because they've done just as good. Um, yeah, with that we're looking after their bodies. Yeah, this one gets a bit difficult for me because defenders there are so many to choose from. There's uh-huh. so many different ways that you can play. I'm still gonna go for two, just like with you as well. Yep. So I'm gonna go for Paolo Maldini because you just can't leave him out. You could have any defender and Paolo Maldini in this in this category yeah. for me personally, because yeah. just like I said, it was someone that just aged with fired and wine. He went from playing uh-huh. against Diego Maradona when he was younger to playing against uh CR7 um uh-huh. in, in this day and age, as Latin and, and in, in in the day and age as well, which uh-huh. is crazy to me. And um, I think there's going to be a bit of a theme here between the two of us. Because we've got a lot of people from Italy because you see how long the game lasts for players in Italy as well. Because I'm not going, yeah. to, go for, um, I'm going to go for another defender, but you can play in midfield as well. He had a second okay. lease of life in midfield and it's called Javier Zanetti. Mm. So the Inter Milan legend. Inter Milan legend. He played until mm-hmm. he was 40 years old. He won the yeah. Champions League under Mourinho as well. Yeah. He retired around 2015, I mean, 2016, I think as well. Yeah. Yeah. That, no, he's a great
1: player. He's another great Him and Cafu are so similar in
0: mm-hmm. that they
1: were the first prototype of the wingbacks we see now. Like You see Trent now, that's what Cafu and Z- Zanetti was doing that 20 years before
0: that. Exactly. You see Danny Alves and how he played this yes. game. He's someone that I was considering as well, but I put mm-hmm. Javier Zanetti, because he did it in two different positions and he did it throughout the whole of his Inter Milan career. He could have yeah. done... Um, more for Argentina, but that's something that, again, mm-hmm. I'm not going to pretend like I know more about, but he just he didn't get to win that um, World Cup with Argentina. No. Um, like I said, Dani Alves would have made the team, but I had to put Maldini and Zanetti into there as well, which is just mm-hmm. as good. Little shout out to yeah. Chiellini. Chiellini, someone who I pull was, about him is really well. good. Someone that yeah, I've I seen, do. Do especially in the Euros final, which couldn't get a touch on him until Zaka ran past me. had to pull the shirt from Zaka <laughs> as well you're just like for god's sake Chiellini, you're so dirty yeah. at defending. but you, he had to be done and he? he did it for his country he, you know them good.
1: Italian Italian defenders they got them dog arts
0: down to a fine art you know mm-hmm. so yeah definitely but, I thought about Cellini as well now it goes on to the midfield where we've mm-hmm. got three amazing midfielders that I want to talk about but I'm gonna mm-hmm. mention I'm gonna mention two of them and I'm gonna select one so okay. I'm gonna go, mention Luca Modric who I think who we people, uh-huh. people forget he used to play for Spurs when he was younger yeah. he was playing as a left it winger is. as a right winger under Harry Redknapp because Palacios and Huddleston were the two holding midfielders but they wanted to fit Modric into the team uh-huh. but Luka Modric is someone I think at Manchester United could have signed a year uh-huh. before he went to Real Madrid but Alex Ferguson didn't and he was happy with Tom Cleverley coming through uh-huh. um, the academy but we look how Tom Cleverley's career turned out to how Luka Modric's career turned out and, him being a ballon d'or winner, him still keeping plays like Isco, Valverde,
1: um,
0: um, all of these other young midfielders out of the team because they can't get past Luca Modric. For uh, me, he's exceptional, but he doesn't make it into my team, unfortunately. Then we've got Andrea Perlo, who, again, like you mentioned before. He was let go from AC Milan because they considered him too old at the age of 32. He could have gone Manchester. to Chelsea on a free transfer to join Carlo uh-huh. Ancelotti, but he joined Juventus. And uh-huh. ever since that time from 2011 onwards, playing for free, like he came as a free player. Uh-huh. He still dictated Italy until the Euro 2012 final. Um, uh-huh. Obviously, that chip against Johar, how he dictated that game against England. For me, as an England fan, we've missed someone like that. and We haven't had someone like that for a long, long time. And I wish we actually had someone like that in mm. this day and age to actually dictate the play and you see people who play like that but they're nowhere near as um, calm on the ball composed no. on the ball no. as... the only
1: player that england had a similar maybe is carrick.
0: Mm. carrick i don't know
1: he never really got a proper
0: run with england michael carrick was always a squad player for england which really upset me as a man united fan and i believe he could have changed the way gerald and lampard could have played in them, in that midfield as well um, we're not going to choose andrea Perlo either this is me being Uh, a little bit me being a little bit biased and I'm choosing Paul Scholes because Mm. for me Paul Scholes is someone who tends to be forgotten about he's someone who everyone likes to criticize in that Lampard Gerrard Scholes debate but for me that's never been the case because Paul Scholes is a way different type of midfielder by the time Lampard and Gerrard came into their prime Mm. people forget that Scholes had a really bad eye injury in 2006 so he had to change the way he was playing He was no longer that player box to box midfielder going in scoring goals 15, 20 goals a season. He was someone who had to deep line midfield with Michael Carrick the season afterwards when he came back and uh-huh. someone actually dictating the play of football, slowing the game down, speeding the game up. And for him to do that when he was going from 31, 32 until he was 36 and then he retired. Yeah, yeah. And then he came out of retirement six months yeah. later as well against Manchester in the FA Cup and he did it for a whole other season. He won the league again uh-huh. at 38 and then he retired. I find that exceptional because the fact that he, he again did it in the Premier <clears> League, he did it against um top opposition players and there were bad games he did a bad game like there's a game against Spurs he didn't do very well with and Gareth Bell just overran him which was ridiculous uh-huh. there were games against um I think he played Liverpool away so he had to come on when Liverpool were in 10 men and he played really well in terms of just dictating the game holding uh-huh. the game back and just speeding up when Antonio Valencia Kagawa, and Van Persie were the ones on the attack as well which worked uh-huh. well for us um but Paul Scott is someone who I've loved watching play love watching him play and it was good to see his final Old Trafford game when I went to go in against Swansea and he's playing in the diamond of a midfield. Swansea mm. were high energetic side with Brendan Rodgers as the manager. Yeah. And he's just there doing it all by himself. And it's like, this is my domain. I know how to do this. And mm-hmm. I know Swansea, but it's cool to see him kind of do that. And it mm. was quite fun to see how Paul Scholes played in the latter part of his career, which, which yeah, is good. Definitely. I'd like to add in a couple of bits about
1: Paul Scholes, because as an Arsenal fan and when Arsenal and United had this rivalry, uh, rivalry going on, and everyone's talking about uh, Vieira versus Keane. You have to watch for Skulls, man. Skulls was the dangerous one, and he got over- He always got overlooked in those games. Everyone was talking about Fergie, Wenger, uh, Vieira, Skulls, Van Nistelrooy, Keon. But Skulls was the one all the time. He was the danger man. He was the danger man. Forget Keane. Keane's a good player, a great leader, but he's not technically, he's nowhere near Scott. is the... Just- He could just do everything, he could just pass the ball without looking 50 yards, not a problem. He could take the ball under pressure one, two, bang, gone. He can shoot from far, he can pass, he can do everything. And Mm -hmm. you know what? I've got so much respect for um, skulls. And for me, that whole England debate was never a debate because skulls should have been the first name on the team sheet.
0: I don't understand why you're playing him wide left to accommodate Lampard. Do you and know what it is? Like people in this country, they do like the whole goals assist type thing. They're like, oh, Jeremy mm. will get more goals assists, they do this, they do that. But uh, even Thierry Henry, when he was going through this whole debate, um Arsenal Legend, he was like, when we were under Arsenal Wenger, he was like, watch out for skulls, make sure Gilberto stays on skulls. I'm um, telling you. You had a midfield next to him, I think it was I forgot his name, uh, it, it's escaping. pity Emmanuel Petit, Petit, that was yeah, it. Yeah, Petit, yeah. He, he was someone doing that before <clears throat> Gilberto Silver was in as well. Just watch <clears> him, <throat> make sure he doesn't yes. roam free and <clears throat> The way people around the world have like idolized Paul's goals and mm. there's that picture of Paul's goals at La Masia, the Barcelona mm. um Academy Pet Guardiola loves him, Zidane loves him. Um, everyone loves him. Everyone loves him, but it's just the fact that even with England fans, it feels it felt like we didn't deserve him and we probably yeah. didn't, to be fair, because yeah. we didn't play him the the right way and we didn't play him in his right nope. position. Because nope. I think if we played him in his right way, if we had a manager that wanted to be a bit more expansive with the way it's playing football and international football we know is draining after a long season anyway. Mm, mm. Paul Scholes would have dictated that England team and we would have done something better than quarter-final penalty shootouts and losing all that. No, definitely. I think the one last thing I want to say in Scholes and I think
1: this is the biggest compliment that anyone could pay, uh, pay, pay him mm. is that Paul Scholes is your favourite player's favourite player. So you talk to Xavi, you talk to Iniesta, they talk about Scholes,
0: you know what I mean? And I think that's the highest compliment you can pay him. Because even with me as well, like I've said um, it was like the, th- the first or second game I've ever seen, the first two games I saw was with Paul's goals and the team. And mm-hmm. he was still an agent player, but he still dominated the team. I've been to people like, I've seen Messi play, I've seen Ronaldo play, I've seen Lam play, mm-hmm. I've seen Lewandowski play. But Paul's mm-hmm. goals is my favourite to watch. It was such an eye of how, he, w- even how that, he plays the game.
1: And even that season when he lost his eyesight, he still had the vision.
0: Yeah. It's like he upgraded like a T-800 in Terminator. Yeah, yeah that, exactly. He literally had the upgrade. yeah. yeah. I'm telling you. <laughs> so who, who yeah, have yeah, we got oh. now? So we've got um yeah. Javier Zanetti, we have Maldini yep. with Pulse goals. Yep. This is going to be a tricky one because I don't want to leave him out, but I will. Francesco Totti I'm leaving out for Zlatan and Ronaldo because Francesco mm. Totti, who was that one club man, loyal yeah. to Roma, did so well. Del Piero is someone I want to talk about as well, but yeah. it's just the fact it was Zlatan and Ronaldo, both doing it in so many different leagues. Both of the yeah. consistent goal-scoring Ronaldo having that little injury in 2013, 14 with his knee, so he had to change the way he's playing from a winger to like Mm. an out-and-out striker. As Latin and Ibrahimovic with that leg break and coming back from it, I can't go past that. And the fact that we mentioned before, Italian football, it feels like a retirement home, but you're seeing some of these great players playing until their late 30s, 40s. -hmm. It shows that Italian football literally could be that thing where you go and you could just stay there and develop your game. And it's and Italy being the winners of the Euros as well, it kind of shows Mm-mm. that Benucci, Chiellini being in that midfield, in defence, sorry, not midfield. It? Um, Mm-mm. it just shows that they've done so well and they're, and they're going to do so well going forward as well with the yeah, with the no, definitely.
1: Yeah, I can't I can't argue if your um force, the same as me mm-hmm. and like you for the same reasons. they are both done in different leagues. they both played it in the Liga. They've done it in Serie A. They've done it in England at various different times in their uh, career as well. And I don't think you can overlook them. Like you said, just say toy You know, you could say um uh, who's that one that you mentioned Del Piero. Uh, Del Piero, who I, uh, I love Del Piero as
0: well. But yeah. honestly, you can't go past that and when you're doing it to be honest. Yeah, it's it's something that I quite like as well, and it's the fact that you get you have two different egos at the front of, uh, of the team as well. Paul Scholes yeah. just threading passes to them, Maldini, and then like Javier Zanetti just like dropping into midfield if needs to be as well. Exactly. I, I, it's it's one of them things that we do when we do our six aside. How it would look on a six aside pitch, and you're like, this is, this would be crazy. This would be insane. how to, to see these how to see these players line up against one. It'd of be that, so but. it'd be so
1: fluid as well. Mm. It'd be, so, it'd be fluid, so fluid,
0: and it'd be so fun to see how it actually do. I wish FIFA did a mode like you know on Volta uh, like, that we can actually choose right. the players from like olden times and just add them into a certain team. Like NBA do that. It's just as good. It's this like, like a
1: legend, like a
0: legend six aside game. Yeah. They really should, and it should be mm. fun to see um, how it actually would be like. Because you've got soccer, here, but soccer is like for celebrities yeah. and for. Like, yeah. But it's not the same. No.
1: But they used to do like an indoor.
0: Yeah, futsal. Yeah, was
1: futsal. It... And they had like Arsenal legends and Chelsea legends and all this stuff. But that was a few
0: years ago. I don't know what's for... happened to that. I forgot what it was called. It was like,
1: I can't remember um... what it was called, though. I can't remember what it was called
0: either. Legends. legends... football, Yeah. Futsal yeah sky sports.
1: Like sky sports yeah and they had it i think they had it at wembley or O2. but yeah
0: that was that would have been good masters football that was it that's, that's it that's masters, football. masters football yes bring yeah. it back bring, back yeah, masters bring it football. back bring it we back bring it back yeah i
1: enjoyed
0: it, that it'd probably be funnier as well like being indoor and seeing all of these players how they yeah. are old now wayne really being a manager just going to play for like the everton one as well like <laughs> on his day off it'd be fun or in the evening it'd, it'd be fun <laughs> to see him do that Seeing gary, I- ne- seeing gary Neville, seeing gary ah, neville analyze yep. himself and then going on to the pitch and then analyzing his himself and jamie Carrick. that'd be really good to that'd be see. funny that'd be funny Just on a weekly basis it'd be really fun to see as well it would it would, it would. definitely i agree with you on that one mm. all right let's move on to the weekend's game so we're not going to do it in order i've started to do it this season in order but there's someone i want to talk yeah. to you about first before we go on to the games in order so brentford yeah. versus liverpool is on saturday 5 30 and I just want to talk about Mohamed Salah, realistically. Yep. So he's someone that I've avoided talking about on this podcast for quite a while because being a Man United fan and having other Man United fans on the podcast, I'm just there thinking uh-huh. that sometimes he's going to slow up, sometimes he's going, to, he just hasn't. He hasn't slowed yep. up. He's still scoring goals. He's still assisting. Nope. He's broken that 100 goal mark as well for Liverpool and in the Premier League as well. 162 mm-hmm. appearances. Yep. And I just want to ask you, MJ, because I know you've got a Liverpool fan on your podcast as well. Yes, we do, yep. What so, else Tyler. does Mo Salah need to do to become yeah. an all-time Liverpool great if he's not already? Won the league, won, uh, the, Premier, no, won
1: the Champions maybe win League. win them another title. Another title. Another mm. Champions I mean, League. Maybe win them another title. But to be honest, I think... He's, maybe another Champions League or another league. But to be honest, I think he should be classed as a legend, a Liverpool legend already for what he's done. For the four or five years he's been there, his um, goal tally has been mad. I think he's been scoring like over 20 Premier League goals every season since he's been there. And I, yeah. I know there's a couple of seasons where he's got like 32 Premier League goals and 40 goals in all competitions that, which is reaching that like Ronaldo level when he was at United before he left and he was getting 40 goals a season. Mm-hmm. So to be honest, he should be considered as Liverpool great already. But I know with Liverpool, because they do have true greats like Kenny Dalglish or Robbie Fowler or Sooness, you know, that's because they have such a rich history, especially with... um the Champions League or European Cup and the titles as well, that they do have um, actual, actual legends. But for me, in the last, well, besides last year or the year before Liverpool won the league, they didn't win the league for 30 years. And during that 30-year span, I can't see any other player that they can push forward. That's a bigger legend than Mo Salah. Maybe Fowler because he was homegrown
0: and he went maybe, on. To... Yeah, maybe Gerard being well, Captain of, Marvel. Gerard but... as well. Yeah,
1: but besides, I think he's up there with them, to be honest.
0: I think I think it is up there with them as well. And I think if he stays there for the rest of his <clears> career, because we saw all these players moving over the over the summer, mm-hmm. Salah's name wasn't mentioned once to PSG, wasn't mentioned once to um, Real Madrid or any other teams as well. Mm. If if FSG keep a hold of him and they just sign down to a bigger contract, because I think he deserves he deserved yeah. it, deserved it. I mean, just a few stats as well. So Mohamed Salah, most goals in Mm. one season with 34. Most Premier League goals as a winger, 100. So he's got 100 goals. That's what I mean. uh, Most player of the month, three. Most teams he scored against in one season, 18. 18, Mm. so just missed out one goal, one team he played in that one season. Most games scored in one season, 24. Um, And then most goals in a season by an African player, 34. So, I
1: mean, and how many times have you heard, like, you might hear a stat about Harry Kane. And they'll hmm. say, oh, besides Mo Salah, Kane has. or besides Mo Salah, this. Besides Mo Salah, that. There's so many stats like that. And I think sometimes, because we're kind of used to him doing that, <clears throat> it's like it's not a surprise anymore.
0: So it's when like it's to- the new benchmark, nothing. isn't it?
1: Yeah, it is. It is. I, I just think that it's hard for people to be shocked by Mo Salah
0: now. So, yes, that's it's like you'll see really. it on I mean, like, social media. So high.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Sorry, Karen, you are saying? You do.
1: No, I was just saying that like basically, like, uh, because he d- he scores so many goals, that it's just become normal, and no one's really shocked by what Marcella does anymore. So when he scores like thirty goals in the season, it's like, oh, okay, he's had another good season. But good season, to be honest, he should be more. Yeah, there's, n- there's there's no slight in that. That's a great season. A lot of strikers don't even get to thirty goals a season.
0: So, and he's not a striker. Sorry, he's a winger, which makes it even more remarkable. It's remarkable Jürgen Klopp has turned his career around as well because he's doing really well at Roma. He did mm-hmm. well at Basel. He didn't really settle at Chelsea. No. And the fact that I think Jürgen Klopp deserves the world of credit because even last season when they just scraped into the top four score, the 22 goals he scored
1: made it a lot of easier for
0: him. Yeah, one or two of Hurricane. And Harry Kane was lauded as having one of his best ever seasons. And you're just there thinking... Yeah. Mo Salah's just behind that and we've had someone like Sergio Agüero coming in and scoring mm. goals all the time for the last six, seven, eight, nine 7, 8, years yeah. and then he left so Mo Salah I think is a new be- uh, benchmark for Premier League goals and assists in-, in this season because it's going to be sad to see him when he doesn't play for Liverpool because I know I'm a Man United fan and I hate Liverpool and mm. everything like that but mm. even when you're watching them objectively he's a fun player to watch he's enjoyable to watch and it's going to be sad if he does leave the Premier League I don't think he will anytime soon because I think he's quite happy I think he deserves that mm. extra contract. And I think he's someone that um, I've been quite happy to watch Man United versus Liverpool games when Salah hasn't scored and we've done well against them. We've drawn or we've won against mm. them, which is just as good. Mm. Um, but I haven't been for a couple of years to a Liverpool game. So we've got them <coughs> next month, I believe. So if we, if we do get them Luke Shaw, prime Luke Shaw, mm-hmm. will be against prime Mohamed Salah. So that'll be another battle to watch. It'll be fun to watch how Mohamed Salah does uh, for the rest of the season. Um, no, any definitely. thoughts on Muhammad Salah before we move over to the weekend games, MJ?
1: Uh, I think the only thing I can really add on is, that, um, I think with him as well, I think he, he does get overlooked a lot as well. And mm-hmm. I think, and I, you know what, yeah, personally, I prefer Mane. I, I, I really, really, really... I like Mane, Mane as Mane. well. I, I think, really like Mane. Uh,
0: for me, I don't want to sound like too, uh, what's the word, ignorant. But I mm. feel like these two players just get under hype because they're African. Mm. They don't have that um, South yeah. American origin or the European origin. Mm. And I feel like realistically, they should deserve more hype. They should be more mm. in the market for, um, more in demand by these other teams and these other players. Because if you had the money, going for someone who guarantees you 30 goals a season, 12, mm. 15 assists a season, mm. 100 million, 160 million, even if Man City put in a cheeky bid for me, gets rejected. It'd be someone that you'd be thinking, or fair play, you'd need someone like that in your team. Aguero's mm. gone; you can get a couple more goals. But I'm just looking at Mane and Salah. I'm just thinking, no one's really going in for them. I know there's the African mm. Cup of Nations back in January to come, mm. but I'm kind of no, just I like agree. I'm kind of just like looking at and thinking they're not going anywhere anytime soon. At Liverpool, We're just going to be um, carrying on with this attack, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, because I know, like obviously, that pre-pandemic time, I know there's a bit of talk about Salah gone to Real. But hmm. since like that's like the pandemic happened, there has been no talk about any of them leaving anywhere. So
0: now nah. I think they'll be staying in the Premier League.
1: Yeah, good for, prem.
0: good for the prem. It'll be good to see how um, Kane actually comes back from his little drought that he's had so far as well. <laughs> Again, against against Arsenal at four thirty. Uh, so now nah, we I'm won't sure go. He'll pick up his game. he will pick up his game. We'll go. We'll go he for will. a little quick fire mm-hmm. preview for the for the weekend ahead. So we'll go in like um, game yeah. order. So. Saturday, Chelsea versus Manchester City. I see Manchester City losing. I think Chelsea are in hot form. I think Chelsea are going to win 3-2. I think it's going to be a great game. And I think Lukaku will have a good game against Ruben Diaz and um, Laporte as well. Or um, Ake if he starts. How do you see Mm. this game going? Uh, Is it at the Etihad? It's at Sanford Bridge. Oh, that's Sanford Bridge. Oh, you know what? Uh, as as, As much as it hurts me
1: to say as an Arsenal fan... Chelsea look really, really, really strong this year. For, mm. for me, that like when we, us lads on ball and banter, when we done our season preview, we all said Chelsea are the favourites this year and nothing's changed. Nothing I've seen has changed my mind on that. I think it's very, really, very strong. I think, yeah, I think they'll beat City. I think it'll be 2-0. 2-0 for Chelsea. I clean think the score twice.
0: Yeah, clean sheet as well. No, that'll be good. Like, even I was saying before the season, I said I think Chelsea are the benchmark for the Premier League this season because how they won the Champions League without a proper goal scorer. No disrespect to Timo Werner, but he still has time to settle into the Premier League. Because even if you saw the game against Spurs the other day, Lukaku set him through. He's one-on-one. He dragged his touch back Mm. and he just got tackled and dispossessed. When he should have just a a killer striker would have just finished that away. So it'll be good to see how Lukaku does against just Manchester City. side And see if Manchester City can bounce back from their draw against Southampton. Um, Yeah. Another twelve thirty game, Man United versus Aston Villa. So this is a little kind of uh, FNCA derby for us because we've got one Villa fan and we've got four Man United ah. fans. So um, Three of them are going to the game. I'm not going to the game because um, I'm just not. It's yeah, 12 kick-off. Yeah. Um, I'm looking forward to it because I think Aston Villa looked quite good against Everton the other day, even leaving out Boo and D and Bay uh, coming on as a sub. Uh, their 3-4-3 situation was quite good because we have got Axel, Twins, Nzabi, Konza and Mings kind of just playing as all three ball playing centre-backs but Twins Abbey will be um, illegible for the game because it's on loan for Man United but I think Manchester United will win 3-1 I think it will be another high-scoring game I think we will concede but I think Manchester United the buzz around Old Trafford so far this season has been brilliant uh, Newcastle I fortunately was able to go to that game and it was immense seeing Ronaldo come back mm-hmm. and score Fernandez's goal was insane but everyone was saying the Leeds game was just as popular just as fun uh, in the stadium as well so I'm looking forward to this game against Aston Villa. We've had an easy start so far in terms of the teams to face. So I don't think we should let up anytime soon. How do you see this game going, MJ? I
1: see it as a regulation home win for United. Don't get me wrong. I've been quite. I was impressed with Villa, the transfer winner that they had, even though they lost Grealish. I thought they bought really well, mm-hmm. and I think buying uh, Buendia, um, uh, what's the guy from Leverkusen, Leon Bailey, Leon Bailey, and Ings. I think those three in particular can compensate for Grealish really well. So I think even though they lost it, they lost their star player, I think they have a better all-rounded team now. Yeah. Uh, but I still don't think
0: it will save them
1: <laughs> against United, and I think United will win that two or three 0
0: because I was someone who I thought uh, Tammy Abraham should have gone to Aston Villa because he was on loan there a couple of years ago. I thought it would have been a good mm-hmm. signing, but they just got Danny Ings just like that out of nowhere. And i was like, just that surprised as good. me? Cheaper surprised as well.
1: Cheaper as well. He knows he knows where the goal is. He would definitely get them. He will definitely get goals for them. I
0: like Ings. I think he's a decent player. Brilliant players to play with um, yeah. FIFA as well, just, just as good. <laughs> yeah. Everton versus Norwich, I think it's going to be an easy win for Everton bouncing back off of the game against Aston Villa. Norwich still haven't picked up a point this season. Daniel Falk mm-hmm. just looks really good in the championship with this Norwich team, but Norwich don't look very good in the Premier League this season with Daniel Falk as manager. But is it a management thing? Is it just the fact that players just aren't good enough for this league? What do you think about Everton versus Norwich, MJ? Uh, I think yeah, I think it'll be a regulation home win for Everton. I don't think it'll
1: be a high scoring game. One nil, two nil max. Mm. I think I think unfortunately for the Norwich man- manager, he'll be a sad Farkar at the end of the
0: game, but here <laughs> we go. <laughs> he will be. Sad face from Daniel Farkar on, on the You porch. know that. You know and that it's gonna it's gonna be very painful for him on the weekend as well. <laughs> Just Poor, so, guy. Got, Poor guy I've and all the headlines. All these headlines. And then we've got uh I have one 3 o'clock game. I feel like this could have been like a a Sunday game, but it's Leeds versus West Ham United. Bielsa versus David Moyes. Uh, expansive football from Bielsa and quite attacking, counter-attacking football from West Ham United, who I believe will have and Antonio back in the starting mm. 11. So I see this as a West Ham win. I think mm-hmm. West Ham will go to Leeds. I think they will turn it up. I think Leeds still need to focus on their defending because they do play great expansive football, but they don't turn back and they don't come back well enough for me um, in this league, but... That's just how I see it. I think West Ham will bounce back. They'll have a game against Man United Wednesday in the League Cup. But I think West Ham okay. will, will focus on this West Ham versus Leeds game on Saturday. How do you see this game go? Leeds versus West Ham at the Ellen Road?
1: Um, I think it will be a tight game.
0: Uh, mm. I can easily see this being like
1: a score draw, maybe 1-1. One, one. Mm. Uh, I agree with you about Leeds. And I do think that's the one thing Leeds have to be, be careful about. Yeah, like they do score a lot of goals, but they concede a lot of goals as well, and they concede a lot of chances. Mm. Um, But Bamford's looking good up top. Uh, I love the way that Bielsa plays and the way that Leeds play in general. It's really high energy, man-to-man market all over the pitch. I know a lot of teams find it hard to play against them. Uh, I think it's going to be a score draw, I'll say 1-1 on this one. Big On the West Ham point of view, um, it's a big shout to have Antonio back. I think he's another really underrated player. He gets about, gives you 100%. He's a pain in the ass in the air he'll work the flanks everything so it's a it's a good move to have antonio back because i think they miss him and they miss something when he's not playing up top and uh, uh yeah no, i think it'll be a score draw i one. One one. one. I um, imagine if
0: they kept haller as well and haller scored four for Ajax last week in the champions league so you're just thinking they didn't replace haller let alone replacing antonio who we had the red card on the weekend so um, that's true what we got next We've got leicester versus burnley leicester have been falling off recently they lost against brighton they lost against Man City one 0 I thought they could have snatched a draw in that game, but they didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, realistically, I would say a, a draw in this game. I don't think Leicester's form will help them come back to mm-hmm. winning ways just yet. Mm-hmm. Burnley will kind of stay a bit more resilient. How did they? How did Burnley play against Arsenal last week, MJ? Uh, a lot
1: of as you would expect from a Sean Dash uh, team. Very organised. They'll mm-hmm. try. They'll try. They won't give up. You know, 100% set pieces, long throws, all that type of stuff you're going to be used to. The other thing with Burnley, they just lack a bit of quality, really, to be honest. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's going to be a tough season for Burnley. Um, I, I think they'll stay up, but I just think they'll be floating around that bottom five, bottom six. But No man's land, yeah. No man's land, yeah. Basically, they're not going to be fighting for Europe. They'll, I don't think they'll get rid of the game, but I think they'll just be in that kind of general area. Um, I just think, yeah, there's like a bit of quality to be honest. And but I think Sean Dash has done amazing with them. I don't think he can really tell them any further than what he's done during his stint there. <clears throat> I think in one season, I think it's seven seventh, went to Europe. Mm-hmm. It was a great season, great season for Burnley, you know, and got to Europa League. That was a great season, but I just think is it is it um King Power? Is it King is it, Power uh, Stadium? Like, yeah, King Power? <clears throat> I just think um, I think Leicester will find it hard, but I think they'll eventually break them down and score I'll say 1-0 Leicester, one nil,
0: Leicester. Mm. but
1: that's, Leicester, that's a quick shout on Leicester as well because they haven't had a great start to the season they're on the same points as uh, the team I support Arsenal so it's good to see someone else struggling as well <laughs> and not just Arsenal marooned um, around certain teams like Southampton and stuff like that yeah no respect to Southampton or any teams that are in the middle of the table but um, yeah no I think Leicester they've had a very slow start to the season but you know what with have that Brendan one team is a really good team so I think, they'll, I think they'll be fine. I think, again, they'll be fine for top six. But I think they'll win 1-0. Yeah,
0: Leicester, I mean, they, they had their fun with the FA Cup win. They're in the Europa League now as well, and they won the Community mm-hmm. Shield. So it's just about exactly. how much they prioritise um, the Premier League just at the moment because of the squad of players that they've got, the injuries that they had, and just, mm-hmm. just juggling everything. Brendan Rodgers has to do that Definitely. for his Leicester squad. Watford versus Newcastle, nil-nil, I see in this game. I don't see it being very interesting. I think mm. Newcastle will go down with the way that they're play, playing at the moment. Mm. I'm glad that it was televised on Friday night about how Newcastle were playing and Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher actually had a sat sit-down with the fans because when we speak to Newcastle fans ourselves as well, we're just there like, what do you expect And that We just want to entertain a football. We want to stay up. We want to improve season on season. But it's not looking the case under Steve Bruce and still Mac Ashley so as the owner as well. But I think Newcastle get relegated this season. But I think it's going to be a 0-0 game in this one. What do you think about Watford versus Newcastle at Vicarage Road? Yeah, I kind of agree with you, um, you, know, I'm not going to lie. I've not really watched Watford
1: uh, this season. I did see some of the Newcastle-Leeds game last week, Friday. I think with Newcastle, <clears throat> it's a strange one because they're a massive club. Massive, massive club. Passionate mm-hmm. fans. Massive stadium. I think they should be doing better than what they are doing, to be honest. But it's the owner, isn't it? And... Me as an Arsenal fan, I know about owners or stingy owners, or you know, not getting along with your owner exactly. So, I can I feel I feel the Newcastle fans' pain on that, and it's been going on for a long, long time. Um, I think there's meant to be taken over last year, and I don't know what happened some last minute glitch and it kind of cancelled and flopped. But, uh, yeah, with this game, um, I think Newcastle again, I think it'll be similar to Burnley, I think they'll be in and around that bottom six area, but I think they'll stay up. I just, uh yeah, I'll say 0-0. Actually, you know, you know what? I'm going to say 1-0 Newcastle. And I think Arsenal old boy Joe Willett will score as well.
0: Oh, I really liked him last season when he was on loan and now he's just there. Now as part of part of his squad permanently. So we'll see how Joe Willett does um, exactly. as a transitional midfielder this season going forward. Definitely. Brentford versus Liverpool. Brentford had a good game against Wolves last week. So Brentford are at home um, in this game. Liverpool, I think they're going to be fighting for the title. Everyone... I don't get when people in the media are saying Liverpool don't look the same, that they are. They're not looking as hungry as they are. They look just as good, if, if better, than anything. Because people are expecting amazing sign-ins. But Kunate made his debut, I think, last week, which was good to see him play. I think he's going to be one of the best signings of the season. I predicted it earlier, but everyone's like, Hamza, he hasn't even played yet. Matip's there, Gomez is there, Kunate's not playing. I'm like, we'll still see him play. It was a big signing for them. Man. Definitely. Um, I think Liverpool will win this 4-1. It's not a game for Liverpool, I think.
1: Yeah, I think um, unfortunately for Brentford, I think it will be a regulation win for Liverpool, 3 0. You know, I'm going to give a shout out to Brentford, though, because they've had a good start to the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've had a couple of wins. I think they're in the top half, aren't they? If I quickly check the table. Um,
0: yeah, they're,
1: yeah ninth. they're ninth. They're ninth. They're ninth, you know. They've um, won two games, drawn to an early loss once. So now I'm going to give a shout to Brentford because they turned um, Arsenal over on the opening day and they thoroughly deserved it. Uh, the fans were buzzing. They were on it. High energy. You know, the first return to the Premier League. Uh, the first game of the season at home, so you can imagine they will be totally up for it. Uh, I think they'll be up for it again against Liverpool, but I think Liverpool will have too much class. And I totally agree with you. Liverpool seem to be a bit understated this year. No one really seems to be talking about them. And I think that will suit them. Definitely. Yeah. and I it think will think Klopp definitely defenders. as well. Yeah. Definitely, I think they'll be the closest challenges to Chelsea. To be honest, I I can see City not having a great season. I think City will still finish top four, but I think they'll literally finish fourth. I think United will probably finish above them, then Liverpool, then uh, Chelsea. But I know they didn't ask me for a Premier League predictions, but yeah, I'm just saying that I think Liverpool will be really
0: strong this year. No, so that's think, how, that's yeah. how I predicted. I went Chelsea, Liverpool, Man United, Man City as the top four, just like the two Manchester clubs, just just off it. I think even with Ronaldo mm-hmm. signing, Varane and uh, Sancho, that's how I mm-hmm. see it personally. But but well, Southampton versus Wolverhampton Wanderers, Wolves are off to a very poor start. They play well, but they lose, which is the they thing do. we hear all the time from the manager and from the fans. Not good um, though. Not good for them. Southampton not a, good a bit lucky, as, mm. as always. Drew to Man United, drew to Manchester City last weekend, mm-hmm. 12, which is good. Um, that that VAR decision, they missed the penalty. I think they did as well. Yeah, they did. I think they did, didn't they? Yeah, it was, it was quite sad to see that. I think it was um, it was one of them things. No, no, it was VAR. I think got overturned when they got overturned. The the world, yeah, that was yeah. it. Red card got overturned, didn't it? That was it. Yeah, the Carl Walker yeah. thing. Yeah, the now, Walker. Thing, yeah, I think Southampton will win this game one 0 I think Wolverhampton Wanderers. They are still getting life used to life without Nuno Espirito Santo. So I think mm. the fact that they're still getting used to this new idea of having a new manager and having these new type of ways of playing. I hate the fact that I've said it for the last couple of weeks. I hate the fact that everyone hypes up Adama Traore because I don't think it's, it's not been good for the last two, three years. And besides dribbling and running and attacking is fine, but people just remember him for barging off Benjamin Mendy a couple of seasons ago and then just crossing can't the say much. Yeah, which isn't, which isn't much. Mendy's no. in prison at the moment. So look how well Mendy's old. doing at the moment. <laughs> we, don't, we don't respect Benjamin Mendy on this podcast for what is done no. or what is allegedly done. To Alleg- yeah. Allegedly, prove, uh, until proven mm-hmm. guilty. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I think it'll be a Southampton win. Their new right-back, Liveramento, I think from Chelsea, has been very good to see. Adam Armstrong, I think, has been very good to see the season. He should have won the game against Man United, but mm-hmm. they made a decent save. How do you see Southampton versus Wolves going on Sunday? They're at St. Mary's. Uh, I'm going to start off the away team first with
1: Wolves. I think Wolves are in big trouble this year, to be honest. Uh, really? Yeah, I think they are. I think, um, uh, sorry for any Wolves fan that tune in, I think
0: there might <laughs> we've, be... We've got like three on our, on our daily listeners, so that's perfectly fine. You're upset like three of them, so that's cool. So I, I'll put <laughs> it to you three guys, but I think it's going to be a tough season for Wolves. I'm not saying they're going to get relegated, but I'm saying
1: it's going to be a tough season. Mm-hmm. Um, Chari, you know what, yeah? <sighs> He's so hot and cold. But if you actually look at his stats, his stats are not great, you know, for goals in the
0: 5th They're like Daniel James's, and we sold Daniel James and Adama Traore was bit getting quoted eighty million last Ooh. season. That's crazy I, money. That's crazy money. Neto was so much better last season, and I think he's injured yes. at the moment. But Trincao's come in and. Another type of dribbling winger who hasn't got the end product just yet, but he's still settling into Premier League. Mm-hmm. Adama, I remember I went to watch a game for Man United versus Wolves. Is one mm-hmm. one last minute of the game, Adama threw on goal to De Gea, no composure, just blasted it over the goal, and you're just yep. like, thinking we should have lost that game, but he didn't finish yep. it. Unfortunately, that's what you get for
1: Adama. You would do mm. the difficult thing really well, Then when it comes to the easy part, he'll do he'll flop on that. I mean, yep. look, I just got I quickly put up some stats on the Adama. Uh, like last year he scored two goals and two assists. Mm-hmm. Not great. Okay, the season before he done not too bad. Four goals and nine assists. That's not too bad. That's pretty so good. Then, that's not bad. Uh that was 2019, 2020. And then if we go back one more season, his first when Wolves first got promoted to the Premier League. Okay, he he played 29 games. He scored one and assisted one. Do so you hmm. think that in four years, he's got like what? Seven goals and thirteen assists in four years. Nothing that's good enough.
0: No, nah, definitely isn't good enough. And for me, if I was Wolverhampton, I would have cashed in a long time ago because to be fair, in that first season, he wasn't playing every game. He wasn't oh. the first choice in right out. at the time. In and out. Because they were mm. playing like a 3-5-2 two with two strikers up top. That's right, but yeah. But ever since he became um, a lot more scary to defenders that's when he became more of a starter but it's just the fact that he, he kind of does two jobs at once in his defense so he's a right wing back and he's a right winger at the same time in that free four free formation so he does drop back a lot but oh, yeah. still we, you expect more from someone like him who realistically i think should be playing european football a lot more and he there should really go. be at that level but he hasn't progressed himself so that's no. how that's how i see it but yeah i think southampton yeah. will win on on sunday i think it'll be a good game for Southampton and um We'll see how they do, but here's your big game of, of the weekend, Arsenal versus mm-hmm. Tottenham, the North London mm-hmm. derby.
1: Yep. Uh, like I said to you earlier, I'm cautiously optimistic about this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, form goes out the window when it comes to the derby, any derby. So it could be like City-Liverpool. So City-United uh, or United-Liverpool. When it comes to that game, it doesn't matter like about your last year's game. It matters about that game right now. Mm-hmm. I think the only, um, the only thing that's, that plays into Arsenal's hands is that Tottenham haven't beaten us at the Emirates. So even all these years when we haven't beaten them or they've finished above us, they not been us at the Emirates. I think that will continue. Um, they got destroyed by Chelsea the other day. Uh, yesterday, wasn't it? Sorry. Yeah,
0: yesterday.
1: 3-0 at home. Uh, but I know when it comes to derbies, Kane shows up. So I'm expecting Kane to be to play well. To be fair, I'm expecting Tottenham to play pretty well. But I'm just hoping we can just overcome them. Uh, 2-1, I'll say
0: 2-1 Arsenal. I think Arsenal will win one nil against the Tottenham side. I think it'll be as North London derbies go. I don't think it'll be as entertaining as we've seen over the last couple of years. It'll be good to have the fans back, but yes, I think for me, exactly. I think for me that will be the most entertaining part of the game when you have got the fans back. But both of these teams, um, Tottenham had a great start to the season in August. Nuno winning manager yes. of the month them scoring yeah, three games in a row three games in a row they really well top mm. of the league and all the Spurs mm-hmm. fans uh, bantering of the whole watch the gap thing first and twentieth. but I think with Arsenal at the Emirates in, in the North London derby I can't remember Tottenham beating them since no. like the Van um yeah the, the Bentley Kabul Bentley Kabul, yeah that them team. ones Gareth yeah. Bale young Gareth Bale but, exactly but I don't think the Spurs team, if they would have done it, they would have done it years ago when they had the proper Dembele, Eriksen, midfield, Lucas yeah. Moura coming through, Son, Harry Kane. Yeah. But I am, um, I'm seeing, I'm looking at these players now, and I saw them the other day. I've, I've not rated Deli Ali over the last two, three years that it's been because again, he's someone, that, he hasn't progressed, he's lost his place in the England mm. squad, and I think that, um, realistically speaking is not really there for Tottenham when you need him to be because he was there when he, he was there in mature at a younger age but now he's just like lost it all completely you should do like what Jesse Lingard does and just go on loan somewhere for a season or half mm. a season get his form back mm. and it'll be good but I think Arsenal will win 1-0. I think it will be a good win for Arteta against the Spurs guys. And, and especially the fact that you don't have European football, you're going to have a fresher team this season as well. So Spurs will have the Conference League coming up as well. And I don't have to mm-hmm. worry about that, but mm. I think Arsenal will win 1-0. I don't think it will be a great game. I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm looking at this game on Sunday at 4.30. I'm going to be like, damn it, why did, I, why did I say that on the podcast? But I'm putting my neck out and I think it's going to be a, a decent 1-0 win for Arsenal. You know what? I don't mind if
1: we play rubbish and win. I'll take that. Since we since we win, that's the most important thing. Just it's a, a quick um, it's a derby. It's a quick one on uh, Spurs and in particular Daily Ali. I think those two years, those two good years he had at Tottenham when he first went there, that's when he was playing as a number ten behind Harry Kane. Mm-hmm. And I think since then, the wolves try to find a place for him. He's not. You can't really play him as a winger. Like can't play he, him as an eight. You can't really play him as an eight. Where does he really fit in? And I think. This and Harry Kane very-
0: drops in more for creativity in that number 10 position as well. So you're just uh, thinking, is he just sticking out like a sore thumb? Is it time to go somewhere else, maybe get, get a second lease of life? Definitely. He's kind of like in that similar situation to
1: Ozil where there's no really real room for a number 10 no more in modern football. No one really plays for number 10. Everyone plays yeah. for 3-3 with two number eights or you just play one up top. I don't really see a, a space for a number 10 anymore in the modern game. So I think Ali is suffering from that, to be honest as well.
0: I mean, we have a ten called Bruno Fernandez, who's not too shabby. I mean, he mm-hmm. he'll, but he'll do the defensive work, he'll do the hard work, which a lot mm-hmm. of old-fashioned number tens don't like to do or don't mm-hmm. like to do as well. But even James Madison's very good at the hard work. Mason yeah. Mount's very good at it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the other day, Everton were playing with uh, it won't be Richard, no, it won't be uh, Gray and Andrew Sanson and they were just rotating as a ten. They were like, we know we're all wingers, but someone yeah. will just fill the space. They were just being yep. a run uh Roman mm-hmm. type number 10 just being there in their space for positional purposes mm-hmm. um but yeah last game of the weekend Monday uh Crystal Palace versus Brighton which is considered a an derby anyway they've got a big little rivalry there yeah it's something that I have to research but I'm not going to research We're at the end of the yeah. podcast anyway but I think <laughs> Brighton I think Brighton will win this game Brighton have been quite fun to watch this season as well mope well scoring yesterday against Leicester. Then the top four as well, 12 points as well. Crystal Palace not doing too bad as well. Patrick Vieira yeah. winning against Tottenham. Um, they had a good performance against West Ham, I believe, as well. Conor mm. Gallagher doing really well on loan to yeah. Chelsea. Chelsea. But yeah. I think it'll be a 2-0 Brighton win. I think Crystal Palace, they should have just sold, heart, sold Zaha ages ago and just rebuilt the team. Mm. But that's just how I see it. How do you see the last game of the weekend? MJ, Crystal Palace at home to Brighton.
1: Uh as Palace are at home, I'll say it'll be a palace win. Um, hmm. I'm kind of I've always kind of looked up for Palace because they're a fellow fellow London team, hmm. and now they've got Vieira there, Arsenal legend at the helm. Definitely, I, don't, I I just love what he said after the beating after spanking Tottenham. I just love his reaction. He was just like, Well, being Tottenham is not, not, not a big thing for me. I just love that. I just loved it.
0: He's so, been um, yeah, there and
1: done that. Yeah, done that. Yeah, it's nothing to him, it, it That you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think Palace will win. I think it'll be a tight game. Uh I'd say two one.
0: I'd say two one Palace in that one. Brilliant. And how do you see Brighton going this season? Just to finish off the podcast. Do you reckon Brighton can keep up this hot form or do you reckon it's just early blues and they're just good with it and they're gonna go mid-table again? Okay? Uh you know what? They've actually got a decent, decent
1: team. I like um oh, what's that guy's name? Uh Trussard. I would really do like Trussard. I think Trussard's a good player. And mm-hmm. you got like someone he's very technically gifted, he's a good player. And you've got someone like um Lalana's still there as well, can pull a bit of strings when he's not injured. I think it'd be a good addition to their midfield when he's not injured and playing. Still got Yeez I think he's a good player. Welbeck still has something to offer up top. I think they're a decent side. I think they're I think they're having a bit of a purple patch at the moment. But I think they'll be safe mid table, to be honest, like tenth, eleventh. I think they'll be
0: safe this season. Yeah, not... and possibly football as well. Sorry no no it's fine but i was saying uh, previously on a couple of podcasts before i was like if i was asked to had 50 million in my pocket going to brighton i'd have gone for Besuma as opposed to ben white but 100 um, that's how that's how i would have seen it but um, see you too. Yeah. but now uh, um that's the end of the podcast so thank you very much everyone for listening and just want to say thank you very much for coming on this week's podcast it was great to speak to you finally and uh, i would i would say in person but like via zoom it's just as good yeah yeah i've I've got football to play in a bit, so I'm going to go there. Uh, I'll no speak to you later. Yep. Everyone, just carry on watching our videos on YouTube. We've hit 6,000 views recently, so I'm very proud of that. Our downloads on our it podcast, works. I think, just as good. So, uh, by all means, MJ, if you want to come back on for another video, I'm yep. going to start editing some more videos, but it's going to be fun because I'm off to university now, so I'm quite happy.
1: About
0: <laughs> that. fun, times, fun. fun times, fun times, fun times.
1: But thank you for inviting me, man. I enjoyed my time here. It's good to talk to you. So, yeah, let's definitely uh, do it again sometime. It'd be fun.
0: We'll do like a Champions League episode or something when it comes up. Yeah. yep, I'll be up for that. That'd be great. Or even during the international break, we could do like one of those things that we just discussed earlier about like going through mm. someone's old file, like a, a yeah. 1970s player, and just discovering mm. about him. That'd be quite cool to do. That, I would, nothing. I would love that. That'd be great, man. That'd be good. It's better than watching international fr- uh, friendlies as uh, well. We don't boring. need to watch
1: that. Boring. I hate international breaks.
0: Trust me, you, you thought it'd be a bit better after Euros, but it's just the same. It's just not nah. as fun. It's boring. boring. <laughs> but this podcast hasn't been boring. It's been just as good. But anyway, thank you very much for your time. Everyone, thanks for Not listening. For them. Take care. Uh-